Welcome to Canada's podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Canada's podcast. I'm Philip Bliss of Business Visionary coming to you today with Toronto's podcast. Uh, we're going to talk to Laura Stewart. Laura is co-founder of FTGU Media, a full-service media squad helping real estate agents showcase their, through content their personal brand. In just six years, Laura has been promoted to vice president of the number two real estate sales team in Canada for Royal LePage and has helped over 700 buyers, sellers, and investors every single year. So welcome to Canada's podcast, Laura. Um, uh, I, I think let's, get, let's do the normal kickoff for me. Nobody knows who you are. Um, so tell us a bit more about your entrepreneurial journey so far, uh, why you started it, uh, where it is today, what its future might be. You know, you did your MBA, so why didn't you go and work for the Royal Bank or for someone like that? That, that kind of, you know, why go into real estate? Why, you know, you can tell a little bit about what, where you are today, but that kind of thing. Oh my gosh, that's a, that's a lot to unpack. I feel like I'm in a, a therapy uh, question here. But well, it, is probably... it is therapy kind of, that's fine. <laughs> I'm going to learn a lot about myself <laughs> in, in this discussion with you today. Um, well, thanks for having me. Um, as, as you said, I, I got my MBA about uh, ooh, nine years ago now. Um, when I started doing my MBA, I, I didn't think at the time I was going to get into real estate. I was kind of thinking I was going to dabble in, in advertising and marketing. I liked that kind of creative side. I really liked the branding aspect, uh, all the classes that involved that kind of stuff. But you know, I, you, you talk to a number of people and they say, and, and I feel like a lot of real estate agents hear this, you'd make a great realtor. And I don't know what that quality is. I feel like people just think if, if you're great at communicating or if you're personable, that suddenly makes you a, a great real estate agent. And I hate to break it to any of your, your listeners here, but that's not the case. <laughs> just being personable does not make you a good real estate agent. But I was young and I said, sure, let me give that a go. So I, I got my real estate license and I've been in real estate for seven years now. Um, you know, which, which, which is entrepreneurial of in and of itself. You are working for yourself. There is no boss, no one to tell you when to be at work and, and what to do, who to call, and what calls to make. And, and so I was sort of dabbling along in, on my journey. And I did that for two years until I really decided that I missed the, the one-on-one -on -one aspect with like team members and doing something with other people. So I decided to, to join a team. And in doing so, I, I said, look, I want to I wanna cut my learning curve in half. I'm not doing great as it is as a solo agent. So maybe I can just, you know, put my hand up and, and offer my services to you when you, when you need some help to, to my teammates. In doing that, what I, what I realized was it got me into the office. It got me in the room just to listen to conversations that other, other people were having. And I learned very, very quickly how little I knew actually about real estate. Um, the team I happened to be working with was, was one of the top 10 teams in the country at the time. And I was working with people who were really true salesmen. Like they would have made great real estate agents. Um, and I wasn't really much like them in all honesty. Um, and, and, and so I, I got to kind of see what I wasn't good at, but also understood that, okay, well, I have my background in my MBA and I have my unique experiences prior to getting my MBA. What could I bring from those experiences 
into this working place. And so I, I put my hand up for a lot of the marketing aspects, a lot of the branding aspects. We rebranded the team and, and I helped start a podcast. And that starting the podcast was honestly the beginning of an entire content creation journey that I didn't know I was on, but I was just on that bus. I was on the train. I was going full steam. And I started to see the change in the clientele. So as salespeople, we bring clients in, we meet with them one-on-one and more often than not, their arms are like this and it's, oh, this is the salesperson. They're about to they're about to try to sell me something and, and, you know, everything's in it for them. And, you know, it took a while. Those, those conversations would be at least an hour and a half where you're trying to get someone from keeping their arms crossed to like opening up to you and you find ways to connect with people. You find ways to, you know, maybe you like share the same taste in food or you both like dogs or whatever it is. You try to find that mutual ground just so you can build off of a real relationship. The podcast and the content creation journey it was interesting because people started coming into those meetings already with their arms open. They said, oh, I watched your episode. I watched your podcast. I, watch, I, I follow you on Instagram. I know about your dog. I know that you ski or whatever it is. And so the relationship was already established before I even met the person. And that was when I started to have this aha moment like, oh, there's something to this content thing here. So my, my, my partner and I, we doubled down on creating the content. We started filming the podcast as opposed to doing audio only. Uh, we started hiring a team of people because at, at the start, it was just him and I holding cameras and filming each other. And then we got real professionals, people who knew what they were doing. That actually morphed into a number of agents in, in and around the office. You know, as our team started to grow and we started to become we were the number one team in the country two years ago. We've, I think we've been flirting with number two in the country for all of Royal Page, And so people started asking us, like, how are you doing it? How are you producing content? And how did you grow your team so quickly? And we would tell them. We would tell them. We would say, this is who you need to hire. This is the content you need to create. This is the type of podcast or show you need to do. This is how you're going to make your, your life easy on yourself. And then three months would pass. And I would cross them in the hall and I'd say, you know, how's that, how's that going? And they said they did nothing. I haven't done anything yet. I don't know who to hire or I haven't, you know, I need to lose a few pounds before I get on camera or I'm too nervous. I my, my phone died with all the excuses started coming out. And I realized, you know, there's just a lot of friction with content for people. Maybe there's some white space there. Cause as you hear that again and again and again, you start to think, you know, I, I, I think people are having the same issue and we could solve that issue for people. And so my partner and I, my business partner and I, we opened up a, a business It's called From the Ground Up Media. We call it Fitigu, F-T-G-U for short, because, you know, we want to be kind of cool like that. So Fitigu Media. And the goal is to help other real estate agents create content for themselves. And, and I've been doing that for eight months. So that kind of brings it full circle. I to you beforehand, but, you know, I, I was surprised because, you know, you got your real estate thing and, you know, the last two and a half years have been absolutely boom times for realtors um why why step out of of you know probably the most lucrative commissions time ever uh, in, in certainly in the last two decades you know that that question is a very important one because yes you're right real estate agents or i shouldn't say real estate agents there's 70,000 real estate agents on the Toronto real estate board, right? So I, you know, I don't think we're all, we're not all the same. 
Um, and I think probably it's the 80-20% rule where 80, 80% of the business is done by 20% of us. But of that 20%, yeah, we've had some really great years. I myself, my best year was last year. So why add on to that? Added stress, added pressure. Um, it, it, it's certainly not for the money. I can tell you that. I think it was at, when you get to a certain place where you've created a system and you started to treat your real estate business like such a business that things are kind of humming along and they're doing their thing. It opens up time, time for you to do other things, but more so mental bandwidth, right? It's gave me the opportunity to think outside my day-to-day sales transactions. It gave me time to think outside of my, when's the next deal coming? Because I kind of knew I had a pipeline. I always had a lot of balls in the air. If one ball drops, that's okay. I still got a lot of other balls in the air. And that kind of gave me the opportunity to say, what else do I want in life? I've, you know, I've never really led a group of people. I've never truly owned a business um, or certainly have never created something that I could probably sell. It's very difficult to sell a real estate team, right? Like who's going to pick up a real estate team? It mm-hmm. does happen, but it's not, it's not like a true business. And so I just thought I came from the like, why not? Like, why not give this a try and see where it goes? And if I fail, that would suck. But at the same time, I feared more of what if I didn't try it? And when the opportunity keeps coming to you, as I mentioned, that people kept asking us, you know, can I hire your team or can you guys give me the blueprint on what I need to do? When there's an opportunity that's knocking, I didn't ask for this not opportunity. It kind of just presented itself. I feel like I would have been a fool not to take it. And so it was, you know, call it, maybe I'm risky, um, but I like to think I'm just energetic and it's like, why not try? Why not do more? There's always more that, that can be done. And that was really why I jumped in with both feet. So, I mean, I, I ask this every so often, you know, are you wired differently? Am I wired differently? Are entrepreneurs wired differently? Is there something, something there? I mean, I always have trouble defining what it is. Mm. Do you, you see, you, you know, if you look at your peers, you know, uh, are they all entrepreneurs? Just, just you know, think, thinking about that. Yeah, that that's very insightful. I don't think all entrepreneurs are the same. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there's certainly people who are probably born more natural entrepreneurs than others. But I, I don't think that that means if you're not a natural born entrepreneur, you shouldn't try it. My business partner and I are very different. He is a salesperson, as I mentioned. Um, he's been selling since he was like a 10-year-old kid. I never sold anything until I started in real estate. I, I don't negotiate over anything. I need help when I go in and buy a car because I hate negotiating. So, you know, probably not the best salesperson, right? I also but I also know that I'm probably I'm probably more of an intrapreneur than an entrepreneur at heart. My business partner is an entrepreneur at heart. He loves the conflict. He loves the friction. He loves leading people. He doesn't get overly anxious and, and bogged down in the, in the short-term failures. When people complain, he almost finds it exhilarating because it gives us an opportunity to grow. And although I don't detest any of those things, I don't think that's necessarily my natural being. I just really think I'm a, I'm a great team player. Being on the team that I was on, I didn't own the real estate team, but I was on that team and I treated it as if I did own it. And every dollar that came in, whether or not I got a cut of it, meant something to me. And it was important for me to grow the business, to grow myself, 
to see how far I could push myself within within the company. And I really took on every win and loss as my own. And I think those are really the the attributes of, of a great entrepreneur. And in which case I thought, you know, I just got to force myself to kind of get over these other, other issues that I'm having. So when a client complains, for example, like I take that very personally, I, I take it to heart. Like it, it, it keeps me up at night. I'm not great at just brush, you know, brushing it off and saying, okay, that, you know, shit happens. Let's move on. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm learning every single day. And I think a true entrepreneur is just a person who wants to learn every, every day. And I think that that's maybe what's really in it for all of us. So what does a typical day look like for you? You know, how do you maintain the kind of focus that you need to succeed and still have fun? How do you, how do, you do that? I am. Um, I'm a routine person in all honesty. And I know that does not sound like a lot of fun. I actually think people who can kind of stick to a schedule and stick to a routine, it sounds like you have no freedom, but it actually gives you in an odd way more freedom. I wake up at the same time every single day. My alarm goes off at 520. I work out every single morning. I take my dog for a walk. Um, I do meditation. I have a very strict morning routine, which I think personally sets me up in the right headspace for the for the day. I get to work at 8 a.m. and the fires start from the second I get in. Like I open up my email and it's it's a problem after a problem after a problem after a problem, whether it's on the real estate side of things, because I'm still a practicing real estate agent. Um, I probably do around like almost 200 transactions every year. So I'm very active on the real estate side. And what I've decided to do was really chunk out my days. So I try to only check my email in the morning and in the evening. And I don't check it in the middle of the day, which is problematic for a lot of people. They think, oh my gosh, my phone is glued to me. But when you're always putting out fires, I feel like it doesn't allow you the time to work on your business. You're always kind of working in your business and you're always at the mercy of a phone call, at the mercy of a text message or an email. And that can derail you very, very quickly. And so I find just kind of sticking to those bookends and then having certain days of the week. Like I only take meetings with clients Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Mondays and Fridays are all my creative stuff. And so I found that creating that kind of system and structure has actually allowed me to do more. And more importantly, I do find it more fun, oddly, because I know what to expect. I know what I'm anticipating. And when I know I'm about to open up my emails, I'm about to see problems and things I have to solve. I'm in the right headspace for it. It's all about getting yourself in the right headspace. A lot of entrepreneurs, especially in the startup side of things, you're letting you know, one established revenue base sort of foster another revenue base, if you like. I I could be wrong, but that's what it, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. So in terms of like, does my real estate career help help with the uh, the other business? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what? We, yeah. What I've kind of decided to do on that realm again. You you had mentioned this. Like it's been a pretty good couple of years for real estate agents. Yeah. Um, and so I'm not I'm not trying to take any money from my company. So I'm putting all of my dollars back into the mm-hmm. new business, back into the business. And mm-hmm. by back in the business, I really just mean hiring more people. Mm-hmm. I can accomplish so much more with a team than I ever could on my own. And so I just keep putting my money back into the business to get more people. I, I'm not that fancy of a person like I like I like some clothes and some nice things and the odd trip but like I'm really not spending all the dollars I make I, I try to just put them right back into the business and hire another person to help so 
you know, let's let's sort of think about mentorship and things like that. You know, what's the best piece of advice that you've received, ever received, that you know that you've always got with you somewhere that, that you know may not be. It, it's always in the background. That comes. It's something that you know, oh, yeah, you know that that kind of thing. It's and funny. Then, I I would say my business one, partner. I had one one boss that said to me at one because I was desperately messy guy, and he said, <laughs> "Tidy desk, tidy mind." And it sounds it sounds minor, but it completely changed the way that I worked. It, 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 I tidied the way that I worked from not just from my desk, but in every way. I mean, and that was kind of a simple little piece of advice, but it's but it made it made a massive difference. It's funny that I think the simplest pieces of advice are usually the best because my mentor happens to also be my business partner now. Um, He was the one that sort of took me under his wing in the real estate side of things. And he thinks so differently from me. And he said, you know, Laura, it's ready, fire, aim, not ready, aim, fire. Like we all learn as kids. And I was the kid who was definitely ready, fire, aim. Like I would, I would think and contemplate things before I made decisions. I wanted everything to be perfect and I wanted to succeed so badly. And I was so fearful of failure that a lot of the times I'd spend way too much time in aim that I'd never actually fire. I never actually took the chance. And he kept preaching this to me over the course of a couple of years. And then when I started giving small things a try and I started realizing, oh, he's right. Like if you, for example, on the content side of things, I have clients that that overthink it. They write an entire script just to make a one minute piece of video. And they're, and they're thinking about it for weeks and they need to get their hair done and their makeup done. And then when we give them the video, they analyze it and they're like, it's not good enough. I need to redo it or reshoot it. And I, and I think they're stuck in the aim. They're stuck in the, I'm so concerned to get judged. I'm so fearful of failure, whatever it is that I'm not going to put something out there because I'm fearful. And I think that's been the greatest thing I've learned. That's probably why I started the business. It's probably why I ended up in real estate because you have to take those chances. You're never going to have all the information to make the best decision. You can get as much information as you can, but you're never going to know everything. And sometimes you just got to try, fail, pivot, retry again, fail, pivot. And and it's in the pivoting and, and what you learn along the way that I think is the most helpful. So that's been... Ready, fire, aim has been the most the most important thing I've learned. You know, if you had to pick one word to describe Laura, what would it be and why? I would say Laura is extremely determined or tenacious, I suppose you could say. My mother told me this when I was young. She said, you know, I, I'm five feet tall. I've always been the scrawny little kid. Um, I, I, I'm a late December birthday, so I was smaller and tinier than everybody and, you know, a year behind in some cases. And she said, you know, you always tried harder than everybody else in that, like, I just didn't feel like my size or being a girl, for example, were excuses not to achieve something. Mm-hmm. Um, if I put my mind to something, I'm going to I'm going to try my best to achieve it. And even when I fail, it's like the, the tenacity to get back up, brush your knees off and, and try again. And I think that's super, super important. It doesn't mean I don't hurt. It doesn't mean I don't 
hate failure. I do. I'm just willing to get back up and to fail again. And I, I think that's helped me throughout my whole life. And it's certainly helping me out more along my entrepreneurial journey, for sure. You know, what's the best thing that you've found about being an entrepreneur? The thing I've loved most, and I actually didn't think I would have liked it as much as I do, is probably working with my staff. It's not even the clients so much, which I love working with the clients and seeing them grow and and achieve things. But my staff is like, they're like my little kids in a way. And like, I'm certainly not necessarily old enough to be all (laughs) their mothers, but, um, you know, you take them under your wing and, and we're such a tight knit family. There's eight of us now working on the team. So it's not a big team, right? So you can still be very involved in their lives and, Mm -hmm. And, and sort of seeing how each person ticks. Like I know that, for example, Chiquita on my team, I know that she, she takes things emotionally like I do. When someone complains about something, she takes that as a personal attack on her. So I know I have to hold her hand a certain way or have an extra meeting with her. Uh, you know, then there's, then I have other teammates where like they just want some extra time off to spend with their family. And I know that when they're having a hard time, just letting them go early and saying, you know what? go home early or come in late tomorrow, take that time for yourself to know that like now they're even more bought in and gaining the trust from them to give me kind of like the, the strength that I need to go out and kind of tackle everything I need to do only comes from me putting in the time with them and creating that family has been the most, the most interesting thing. And I, I, I'm, I, I'm very shocked by it, but I, it's, it's probably my favorite part of the journey. So what books are you reading now? I mean, or listening to? I mean, you don't have to read them. Uh, uh, you know, something you could maybe recommend that might yeah. that, that's, that's you know worth the read. Worth, worth the read. My probably the book that I've gone back to a few times now is Atomic Habits by James Clear. Um, I, I'm on my third go around with that book. And that's kind of one of the ones that I feel like every year in around January, when people are trying to make like these big audacious goals, just as a reminder to myself to say, don't focus so much on the end result, have the goal in mind, but really think, or what are the steps that are going to lead me to there? So, you know, if I want to be a successful entrepreneur, what does a successful entrepreneur look like? What do I feel they do? Well, I feel like they go to bed at a decent time or they look at their calendar before they go to bed so they know how to structure their day. They have routine. They take notes. They care about their employees. It's all those little things that I think that add up over time. And it feels sometimes like, you know, watching paint dry because there's so little sometimes the changes, right? And you don't see them in yourselves until a year or two years go by and you think, oh my God, I'm a completely different person than I was two years ago. So that's definitely a good one. I'm actually currently watching. Um, I, I'm into the master class. I don't know if you've tapped into any of those, but mm-hmm. yeah, no, I, I, I got close a couple of times. But oh, it, it, I mean, there's so much content there to watch. Not and and I always, you know, caution people on watching too much content and and, and getting opinions from too many people because sometimes you just need one piece of advice and then you just got to roll with that. But I'm currently listening to Bill Clinton's um, master class on leadership. And I'm, I'm, I just started it two days ago and I'm almost done. And I, you know, whether you'd like Bill Clinton for his politics or not, I think is, is irrelevant just to listen to somebody who held this position for, for two terms, um, you know, just knowing 
what he accomplished and, and, and leadership. And he talks about this a lot too, particularly in leadership is that you have to take the losses as your own. You can't start placing blame on your staff and other people and your clients and circumstance, um, particularly if the circumstance is in your control. While at the same time, you have to share the success. So every time my team wins, it's, it's a we win. It's never an I win. We won this. We did this together. And finding the ways to share those successes, because sometimes because I'm the one on the camera doing this, you know, I might get the, the, the feedback and the messages, but making sure that they see those and say, guys, this was a win for all of us because they're a part of the journey too. And they're the ones that are, that are helping behind the scenes. So you always have to make sure that you're giving that, that uh, credibility out to other people. Let's have another fun one. <clears throat> so in business, what's your favorite word? <coughs> cool. Give me words uh, and, and, and why. My favorite quote, sorry? Your favorite word, quote, sentence, and why? So my favorite quote is probably, I think it's, I, don't, I think it's Shakespeare who said it. Although she may be small, she is fierce. And for some reason that always sticks with me. And again, I'm sure that's not um, relatable <laughs> to everybody, but I think what I take from that, because it resonates with me because I'm so small, is that sometimes something that you see in yourself as a weakness or that you think other people see in you as a weakness, maybe you are the only woman in a group. Maybe you're the only man in the group. Maybe you're the only person of color in a group or you're the only person from a certain background or economic status and you feel alone. I actually think those are your strengths. And if you can somehow find a way to say, yeah, this is something that's been hard for me, any of those, those hurdles that you've had to overcome, any of those things that make you different are actually the thing that you should double down on because that's, that's the one thing that sets you apart from everything else. And so that kind of quote always reminds me of that. Yeah. Okay, that was a great answer. So I'm going to just throw something else at you. What's your least favorite word or sentence? Um, hmm. Oh, you stumped me. Least favorite word or sentence. I think, I don't know, I, I hear this a lot. I hear this a lot from, from my clients in the real estate industry. Um, and, it's, and it's in and around, um, how can I get more blank? How can I get more blank? Whatever the blank is, whether it's more views, more followers, more money, more deals, more clients. And it hurts me because I feel like they should turn it and say, how can I give more blank? How can I provide more value? How can I give better service? And I think if they flip the sentence and, and change it to be what they can control, what they would probably find is that they will have more clients, more money, and more likes and followers or whatever it is that they're looking for. And so I think it's whenever I hear that, how can I get more? I just, my ears turn off right away because I'm thinking you're, you've already lost. You're already not looking at it from, from an entrepreneur's mindset. So we're coming to an end. So I'll throw this one at you. Uh, what are you most excited about in your business today? I'm most excited in my business about the fact that I think the real estate industry is undergoing a bit of a change. I don't think it's a, 
a huge, massive change per se. But as people get more and more access to information and the landscape becomes more and more competitive, competition is actually a great thing because it causes and forces people to get creative. It forces people to come up with new ideas and solve bigger problems. And what I'm hoping my new company provides and what I'm hoping I do as a real estate agent is really offering my clients more than just a transaction. It's it's more than just selling a unit to somebody. Anyone can just sell one unit. It's about creating those relationships over time. And so if I can do that through the phone, meeting new people like you, if I can do that through content or through taking the hour and a half long meetings that it might require for us to establish a conversation and give all the way, give all the information away for free with no expectation of return. Um, I think that should have a positive impact on the industry as a whole. Real estate agents, I think we're right at the bottom in terms of like how well we're trusted in the public's eye, like with lawyers and maybe like car salesmen, like used car salesmen. And then it's like real estate agents. Like we're not very trusted. And I and I would like to see that industry become better. And I think that's only going to happen if real estate agents, which I think is what we're we're you know, I'm seeing a lot of people do this is, is providing that extra level of value and education so that our, our clients are making more informed decisions. That's really good, Laura. It's been a good session. Thank you. Uh, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, you know, uh, have I missed anything out that you want to add? Or? Yeah, I would say the easiest way to get a hold of me is probably on Instagram. So Laura Stewart T.O., and uh, you can give me a follow there or shoot me any any DMs. Again, I'm an open book. So I love answering people's questions, whether it be, Laura, do you have um, you know a quick guide on how I can start producing content? I'm happy to share all that information with people. No cost. I'm not, I'm not looking for anything in return. Again, as I mentioned, I'm just trying to, to elevate the industry and do the, the best I can. And hopefully, um, hopefully this resonated with a lot of your listeners and, and they'll seek me out. Yeah. Thanks very much, Laura. Really great seeing you on Canada's podcast. You as well. Thanks so much for having me.